This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown. 247.com joined by the managing editor of Horns 247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I am doing well, Chip. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, we are recording on Tuesday, February 7th. And so um we're gonna get into some stuff today. We're gonna talk about um, you know, a little winter workouts for football, little um, Chris Jackson, the new receivers coach. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to start doing a little position preview countdown to spring football, which starts the first week in March. Talk a little basketball, of course, love it or leave it. But Taylor, I feel like, um, there's uh, a lot of curiosity, a lot of intrigue, a lot of interest in what on earth is going on with Texas and Oklahoma trying to get out of the Big 12 and into the SEC uh, in 2024. Yeah, um, I think that's a good place to start it, Chip, because okay. everything okay. that went down. Yeah, everything's gone down since we last had our podcast. And uh, there's been the Big 12 meetings that were going on. Uh, sounds to me like things are kind of all over the place right now. You have always been the realignment guru insider. What What is the latest going on? Yeah, so it's, um, as I wrote in the insider last week, it really is, uh, everything has been agreed upon. Um, the The remaining schools in the Big 12, the Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, they're all good with Texas and Oklahoma moving on. Um, the exit fees, you know, kind of depending on who you talk to, have have been agreed to that Texas and OU would pay um, to the Big 12. And it's coming down to how to make Fox whole for the Texas and OU games that they will lose uh, in 2024 if Texas and OU leave the conference a year early, it's about seven games. And the value of that is being hashed out between competitors. It's being hashed out basically between ESPN and Fox. And there's, there's new blood, um, bad blood between those two after Fox got the big 10, uh, broadcast rights and did not give a piece of it. Remember, they gave out three subcontracts, um, you know, NBC, CBS, uh, but not ESPN. Mm-hmm. And and so what we're 
Well, oh, hi, Riggs, my dog. Uh, very excited about um, someone at the door. Um, so forgive him, but he's also very uh, concerned about whether ESPN and Fox are going to be able to um, sort of work out what the the value, um, the compensation that Fox needs to agree uh, to Texas and Oklahoma moving on. And, and so there've been many we've, and if you are a subscriber, a member at horns 24 seven, and you follow along in the insider, there's been kind of multiple proposals as to how to make Fox whole. We've talked about the fact that uh, at one point, Texas, no, you were um, asked about playing games in the future against uh, former Big 12 schools at, you know, those schools uh, home and away. And could those games uh, make up for uh, the value of the games that would be lost in 2024? Um, Texas is playing Michigan and Ohio State um, from 24 to 27. And the games uh, at Texas, could you give those games to Fox and not ESPN and have those games, you know, count as that compensation or just straight money? And, and ESPN, Disney, has a lot of money. And right. so that's really what it's boiled down to. Uh, Taylor and right when everyone thinks it's close because everyone else is agreeing, right? You've got the remaining schools, the Big Twelve commissioner. Um, you're thinking that's the the heavy lifting, but then, oh, now we've got this back and forth between ESPN and Fox. And um, look, Fox is going to try and get everything they can and more, and ESPN is trying to say hey wait a minute here here's what's yeah. fair and this is what's fair and fox is like well maybe that's not so fair maybe we need a little more and so it's um you know i think there's frustration i think that came through in pete thamel's tweet and story last week pete thamel works for espn espn's frustrated and i think espn is ready to you know th put put a fist through a wall over what Fox is asking for here. But I still think um, that we're close. I mean, even though it's testy and it's tempestuous, um, it's I still think it's close because you've got agreement in, in other key areas. It's really coming down to um, Fox and ESPN cooler heads prevailing and saying, okay, uh, here's, here's what's fair. So those lawyers at ESPN and Fox get paid a lot of money, yeah. not, not to give ground. And so that's, that's where we are, Taylor. And it's, um, but I just, I still think it's going to happen because everything, uh, points to that. The, the big 12 
is ready to say goodbye to Texas and OU for scheduling purposes. And they have their new media rights deal. They're going to be okay. They're actually going to make, you know, between two and $4 million per school per year more um, without Texas and OU. Um, now, will that money scale? Probably not, but still <laughs> they're, they're whole and they're, they're ready. They're ready to say, okay, let's, let's move on. And, and so I think this is going to happen and, uh, I still think it can happen, um, pretty quickly, but it's like I said, you got lawyers and, on, and two big corporations who are really, um, it's, it's testy. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good old fashioned Hollywood story right now. Yeah. And talk about like poor, yeah, you have to have some, uh, sympathy a little bit for Brett Yormark here because, you know, he just took over as Big 12 commissioner. He probably doesn't want this to be kind of the way his career starts is this like headline after headline after headline that some of them have made it kind of seem like it's the Big 12, you know, that are, um, and I mean, it did start that way. Let's be honest. It's been some of the schools in the Big 12, obviously, but it's like, it almost seems like people see headlines and they honestly just assume at this point it's still the conference members that are angry or have their feelings hurt that Texas and OU are leaving and, you know, digging their heels in. And I mean, you would hope that Brett Yormark is kind of a PR expert right now and how to maneuver through this because the fact that the the people who really are the determining factors in realignment are the ones that are at odds, it's it seems like the overall consensus, I think, from the general type of social media type of uh, response is, oh, gosh, like the Big 12 is still pissed off about Texas and OU, when really it's actually the people that always are the ones that push realignment. It's the media, you know, the media networks. I mean, the whole reason realignment really happens is because of those media networks and the the money that they're able to um, give to schools in order to kind of convince programs to or schools to go in various directions we've seen it, it seems like annually almost <laughs> at times i mean it's it not really i'm i'm uh i'm uh you know exaggerating that but this has been ever since 2010 there's always some sort of realignment stuff and it always comes down to the tv networks and now it's like this is being halted because of those t tv networks and media rights deals it's kind of just surprising to me honestly chip yeah and it's and in fox will be the first to say Hey, we paid a lot of money for these rights and we need to get the return on our investment. We don't, you know, just because, and part of it is because they, they broke the bank to go get the, uh, big 10 broadcast rights and then be able to sublet them out to NBC and CBS. And, um, and so I get it. I mean, it's not, this isn't just trying to be difficult. This is trying to get the money back. And these are public companies and they have shareholders that they have to answer to. And, and, and let's be honest, Fox knows that ESPN is motivated um, to make this happen because they, they ESPN has the exclusive broadcast rights to the SEC football starting in 2024. ESPN uh, would like to be um, 
ready to roll with the new SEC at the same time that Fox is going to be rolling out the new Big Ten with USC and UCLA, who will be joining the Big Ten in 2024. That's done. Um, and so it's it, it's it, it will be a great 30 for 30. Let's put it that way, because, um, you know, when you go behind the scenes on these, you know, huge uh, broadcast rights deals and the fact that live sports is really the last thing commanding big money uh, from television networks um, or, you know, the typical um, broadcast companies, ABC, CBS, NBC, forget Netflix and Amazon and all those guys who have, um, you know, subscription television. I'm talking about the, the networks and, and so this is, it's a big financial deal and they're, they're trying to get the, the money right, but it's, you know, it's interesting because I've reported in the insider that, OU did not want the big 12 football schedule uh, released the 2023 football schedule released until uh, an exit agreement was reached. And, and then seven weeks after the fact, seven weeks later than that football schedules normally released, normally released right at the beginning of December, uh, the big 12 releases that 2023 football schedule and all the schools post it except for Texas and OU. It wasn't until attention was drawn to the fact that Texas and OU still hadn't physically put that schedule onto their websites um, that they finally did put it on their websites. But they they want this thing done. And yeah. they know um, that, that uh, the rest of the big 12 has agreed your mark has agreed um and so they want espn and fox to get their their bleep together um and obviously those networks have asked texas and ou and as we just mentioned for these different proposals and different ways to make fox whole um and uh it's it's going to be interesting because um you know ultimately we'll find out what the the recipe was or is for getting this done because i do think it'll get done uh but it's it's not happening on the timetable that texas and oklahoma wanted it to happen yeah so. and as of right now as of 4 30 p.m on tuesday texas does not have the football schedule for the 2023 season on their website. OU does. Texas still doesn't. Now, I will say Texas is not very good about keeping their website updated, honestly. Uh, I mean, there's been a number of times where I've been there and I'm like, I can't even trust the stat page because I are not right. But like, you know, in last the last story they have on their their football page is from 130 2023 about the conference uh the uh Longhorns in the NFL Conference Championships. So they haven't updated pretty much anything on their website, but their schedule, if you click on schedule as of right now, it goes to the 2022 season. You do future schedules. It has three non-conference games in 2023 listed, and that's it. Yeah. So there you have it. It is um, it is fluid, but the reports that came out late last week that this 
had fizzled and Texas and OU won't be going to the SEC until 2025, probably uh, premature. But um, it does go to show just how difficult these negotiations have been between ESPN and Fox to get this finalized. So um, there you have it. We will we'll leave that there um, and stay tuned over at horns247.com for all the latest. Uh, we will have the insider coming out Thursday morning. So who knows what new fresh intel we'll have at that point. But uh, Taylor, um, Chris Jackson, the new receivers coach for the Texas Longhorns, is on the job and he came in from the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, after spending this past season uh, his first uh, as a full-time receivers coach in the NFL. He was an assistant receivers coach the previous uh, two seasons in 2020 and 2021 with the Chicago Bears, but he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars and it was a good year for Christian Kirk and for Zay Jones. And I uh, talked to a source close to Zay Jones who went to Austin high, grew up in Austin, um, who said, you're getting a, you know, a transparent, uh, to the point, excellent receivers coach. And, and the feedback I'm getting from uh, team sources is that the players have have gravitated to Chris Jackson. So that's good news, obviously, because Steve Sarkeesian told everyone, uh, told his inner circle, I'm going to go get a technician as a receivers coach who, um, you know, is no nonsense yet um, can, you know, elevate talented young receivers and you know, handle the personalities with a, with a no nonsense approach, but it sounds like Sark got what he was looking for. And, you know, the big question was, well, what is he as a recruiter? You need your receivers coach to be a good recruiter. And from what it sounds like Chris Jackson has the personality. He's a, you know, he's transparent, he's direct. And, and so we'll see it's early. It's winter conditioning. It's not, um spring football uh we you know you haven't had snags and snafus and you know playing time and depth chart and all that yet so we'll see how all that gets handled but early impressions seem positive yeah the thing that i'm very intrigued about by this and you know i, I do think i like a no nonsense type of approach from coaches but in the nil era today of what college football is I wonder how sustainable it can be. I mean, like, you know, Tom Herman, his his or his uh, teams always played really hard. He was a no-nonsense type of guy, and the players hated him. And so, and now, he probably took it to the extreme, I think. You have to... Probably. You can have, you, yeah, you can be tough love, but there's got to be a little love in there. You can't just be going, you know... Your, your head basically blowing off your shoulders every second of the day just because of one little thing happening. But... Um, I, I'm very curious to see with the type of, you know, kind of, I don't, I don't want to say a, a word that's going to frame them in a bad light, but you know, the, the, some of the receivers are, um, 
they the are diva uh, quotient. Yes, yes, exactly. Like kind of that, you know, I wonder how in this era of college football, it's going to work. Um, obviously, Chris Jackson is not coached at the college level. I don't think ever. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, he'll probably have a little bit of learning on the job when it does come to handling uh, like the recruiting aspect, that type of thing. I know he's used to NFL players and um, obviously there's a lot of divas in the NFL. However, there's not really the transfer portal really in the NFL either. Um, I mean, I guess free agency, but still it's a little bit different. So I'm just very curious how this, um, how non, how no nonsense he is and how it is accepted at a skill type of position. Cause obviously it's accepted at offensive line, defensive line, you know, everyone knows Bo Davis, no nonsense, Kyle flood, no, no nonsense. I mean, the guys that coach in the trenches are almost always that type of approach and it's expected, but the skill talent, you know, can be a little bit different. And I'm very curious to see how that will kind of continue as he's, um, you know, as real practices really begin. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the obvious message from him would be, look, if that kid in, in our receiver room is getting more NIL money than you, then go prove it on the field and you'll get yours too. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's done in the NFL. And and I've seen guys who are making next to nothing um, rise up and get paid big money uh, by getting it done every single day and and showing that they can work and be a good teammate. And um, and so it, it, I agree with you. I mean, you know, we've we've heard different things about who who was or wasn't holding Xavier worthy accountable um, this past season. And um, it, it just sounds like from what I heard, um, Chris Jackson is direct, maybe not as much no nonsense as direct. Yeah. And, and I think, I think players appreciate that, you know, Tom Herman was so sarcastic and, and it bordered on belittling that I think players resented him. And as long as you're direct and not ever getting personal, sarcastic, stuff like that, then, um, and Urban Meyer was sarcastic, is sarcastic, is in that, I mean, I don't know about you, that I'm not good with that. I'm not good with the sarcasm. I'm, I'm like, tell me how it is. Tell me straight up and, and I can, I can deal with that. I don't need all the extra pepper and jalapenos on there. Uh, with what you're saying, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think sarcastic is a really nice way of you saying what it truly was. I mean, it was belittling at times. I mean, we heard all the stories. You go talk to a former, you know, former players that played under Tom Herman away from being in front of a microphone and ask them what really, you know, went down. You know, I mean, I know it comes off sarcastic, like the whole kicker thing. Oh, well, I guess. Yeah, not but yeah, not name. saying their names. Uh, that was people the if you heard behind the scenes stuff of how that really went down. I mean, it, it pissed off players left and right to where there was at one point almost a scuffle at practice because of it with Tom Herman because he was belittling Michael Dixon. I mean, it's that type of approach for sure. And you know, I I think you're right with the directness. I think that's a good approach. And Steve Sarkeesian's like that too. You know, he has the very, you know, open, transparent. Um, message to the players, like where they're at, where they need to improve, what the future is in 
if the future involves them being at Texas or having an opportunity to see playing time. So that does kind of fall in line. But Steve Sarkeesian, from all accounts that we've heard, he's not doing it in a belittling fashion. So, um, you know, that's it'll probably be good for Sark to kind of help Chris Jackson along that way. Um, and if, if for some reason it comes off as harsh and it doesn't seem like it at this point at now. Yeah. And I wrote in the insider, you know, last week, that receiver room, uh, the competition, all of it, the size, the speed, the, the you've got all kinds of variety of ways to get deep. Um, you got four guys who are sub 11, 100 guys, um, you know, Brian, Brennan Thompson, Ryan Niblett, John Tate Cook, Xavier Worthy. You got six, four and six, three guys in A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah Nair, who may not be, you know, sub 11, um, 100 guys, but they're plenty fast and they're huge and mm -hmm. and can get deep. And that's that's what Steve Sarkeesian has been looking for is the ability to stress the defense from both sides of the field all over the field and force the safeties to have to stay back. And that's, uh, that's what he feels like he's getting closer to. And that will help his offense go from averaging 36 points to over 40 points. Like he was averaging at Alabama in 2019 and 2020 when he had, you know, Devonte Smith, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, um, you know, just a ridiculous amount of speed and talent at the receiver position. So, uh, and no as pressure. More veteran quarterback too. You right, know. Yeah, right, and established quarterbacks in his system with Tua Tungavaloa and then Mac Jones. So, um, yeah, with Quinn Ewers in his second year in this offense, um, it, it, I think Steve Sarkeesian and we didn't get to talk to him last week because of this yeah. ice storm, for God's sake. Um, but I imagine when we do talk to Steve Sarkeesian, probably won't be now until spring, football, spring football starts yeah. starting in first week of March. But um, thanks a lot, Ice Storm. But I imagine he'll say that he's getting closer to having the kind of offense that he um, envision, envisioned and operated when he was at Alabama. So um, exciting times for for Chris Jackson. No pressure, Chris Jackson. You just gotta, yeah. <laughs> you just got to turn all these guys into Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, and Henry Rux. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you also now have to recruit and you don't have time off anymore. But right. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, Mrs. Yeah. Lincoln, uh, how was the play? <laughs> all right. So um, winter workouts, they're going. And, um, you know, speaking of receivers, it sounds like Isaiah Nair continues to run well. Uh, and that's that's big in his recovery from the ACL tear. And um, that Jalen Catalan, the transfer from Arkansas, looks good. Uh, you know, from a physical standpoint, we know there have been some shoulder issues there, but um, so far so good on Jalen Catalan. So uh, it's it's going to be intriguing to say the least. Uh, fans are going to be all um, probably riled up for that April fifteenth spring game, Taylor, because. I don't know how Texas is not going to be picked to win the league in 2023. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I always think it's funny to say like, oh, they're going to be riled up 
for a spring game, which I <laughs> spring games are the the silliest. I mean, it's great for fans. I know. Um, you know, I, I joked last year, my sister-in-law got married in Mexico when Texas played their spring game. And when I, I told our supervisor, Kevin, about it well in advance because I was in the wedding. And so I was like, oh, dang, I can't cover a spring game. And I was like, thank you, Emily, for getting married that day because those games are so boring to cover. But it's fun for fans. You know, they at least get to see a, a snippet of uh, – what work has been going on. I wouldn't say it's a snippet of what they will see in the upcoming football season, but, you know, kind of see some of these new guys And Texas has a lot of new guys on the roster, not just from the, um, you know, the transfer portal with adding uh, AD Mitchell, but also um, a lot of new early enrollees, obviously the headliner being Arch Manning um, Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter Jr. Speaking of, if you missed the interview edition of the flagship podcast from Monday, uh, definitely go back after we're done here and listen to that. We caught up with, uh, Chip did a really good interview with Cedric Baxter's uh, high school coach at, at Edgewater High School, uh, Coach Cameron Duke. And he had just amazing things to say, not just obviously everyone knows he's a five star. You know, he's talented, but just how special he is on and off the field when he knows, I mean, the fact that he noticed how special this kid was going to be was when he was a freshman in high school. And it's a rarity that that even he's in a position to do that. So definitely an interview worth listening to. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, good call there, Taylor. Thanks for uh, <laughs> reminding everyone about that because you want to know what makes this guy tick Cedric Baxter, CJ, they call him because uh, he's Cedric Baxter, Jr. His dad, Cedric Baxter Sr. So uh CJ said Jr. Um that that's a great glimpse into what makes him tick, some anecdotes about what uh he was able to accomplish in high school and and then how he wanted to hold teammates accountable. And that's that to me is the good stuff. The is is he a a good teammate? Is he a guy who's gonna bring others with him is he going to elevate others uh because we we saw that with with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson and and obviously those are big big uh, uh positions to fill with those guys moving on and and CJ Baxter is going to be uh certainly in the mix to to help carry that load as a true freshman and we saw Bijan Robinson on a bit of a pitch count under Tom Herman. Let's see what, um, what, how many carries he can earn uh, yeah. as a freshman with with Steve Sarkeesian running the offense. Yeah, and there, I mean, the running back room still has a ton of talent in it. You know, if you look at Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue, haven't even really seen him at all. Uh, Keelan Robinson's kind of that Swiss Army knife for both offense and special teams too. So there's definitely a lot of you know, talent in there. But one thing when uh, Chip was doing the interview with uh, Coach Duke, um, I was obviously recording it in the background and listening in. And it was kind of funny. I'm not trying to overcook this and I don't want fans. I'm going to preface this. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen day one. You know, we got to see this kid in the first place, you know, take run the ball. We haven't seen him, you know, in person at Texas yet. But when he was describing Cedric Baxter Jr., I was kind of like, man, it almost sounds like a mold of 
Bijan Robinson and Rosham Johnson put into the same body, you know, with him. He made a comment about him being an even better person as he is a football player. And that's saying a lot because he's a really elite football player. How many times do you hear Steve Sarkeesian say that about Bijan? How many times have we said that about Bijan too, you know, after covering him and stuff? And then the leadership and accountability he had in the locker room. Um, you know, he has a voice when he, when he spoke at Edgewater, you know, in the locker room, people listened. That was kind of like how exactly actually how Roshan Johnson was at Texas. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying expect that day one. He's a true freshman. Uh, you kind of have to earn your place a lot of times and you have to earn the right for people to respect your voice when you talk. But that's a good sign for what the future could potentially become with him in that locker room for Texas. Yeah, Cameron Duke tells a great story about how his wife gave birth to one of their children and he had to miss a game. And CJ Baxter came to him after that game and said, Coach, I didn't like some of the things I saw mm -hmm. uh, on the bus and you know in the locker room. And and that's that's the kind of stuff that makes you kind of stand up and go, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. He's he's part of the solution. He's not. Uh, part of the problem and that's that's what you want to hear as a as a coach first and foremost but as a fan as well it makes it a whole lot easier to cheer for um for cj baxter and and i'm very eager to see what this kid how confident he is and just how how quickly he can process because that's that's the key can he process the information can he get his assignments down, get the playbook down. And we hear it over and over again. Um, every, you know, we had Derek Johnson on the flagship podcast and his advice for Anthony Hill and all Leonga LaFau and all these four linebackers who just came in in the 2023 class, get in your playbook. Don't think your athletic ability is going to sustain you. It won't. Yeah. Um, now maybe if you're Derek Johnson, it will for a year, but um, you know, get in the playbook and get it processed because um, that's just going to accelerate your path uh, to your potential. Yeah, you're no longer in high school where you're probably the best player on the field for both teams. Honestly, you you know you not only are facing a higher amount or a, a more elite talent consistently on rosters across the board, but you also have to be a film study junkie and a playbook, you know, really make an effort for that. And that takes time. And, you know, this is where some of the upperclassmen, uh, some of the older guys really have um, to help these guys along. Cause obviously Texas had added a lot of talent in that 2023 signing class, uh, the nation's number three ranked signing class in the 24 seven sports composite team rankings. Um, but they need, they need guidance and it can't just only be coming from the, the coaches. I mean, some of the best, you know, what you want a locker room to be is a player-led locker room. I think you can ask any coach in college football about that. I know Steve Sarkeesian has wanted that. And, you know, that that is where things, the magic kind of starts. But you need some of those guys to play the role model and not just of keeping guys accountable, but showing them the way of how to prepare at the college level because it's so much different than at the high school level. Yeah. Um, all right, Taylor, you ready for a little uh... – Position preview as we count down to spring football. We're going to start with the with the big fellas up front, the offensive and defensive line. You want to start with the offensive line or the defensive line first? 
Let's start with the offensive line. We were just talking about the running backs, so this is a good kind of transition. Let's go O-line first. Yeah, and I, and it's interesting because you do have um, two uh, offensive linemen who've had surgery, and, um, you know, uh, Cole Hudson, uh, the shoulder surgery, and Connor Robertson uh, had surgery on his left wrist, and they are going to be – well, Cole Hudson's out for the spring. Connor Robertson might be back for some of the spring. Um, Connor Robertson is both actually Connor and Cole are um, backup centers to Jake Majors in addition to Cole Hudson, who started every game at right guard and played the entire year with that torn labrum in his shoulder. And that tells you uh, how tough that kid is because uh, he didn't want to miss. He didn't want to miss spring ball. He was an early enrollee last year, and he once he started excelling and getting reps and moving up the depth chart, he didn't want to interrupt that with, uh, with surgery. So he played the whole season with it, and um, he had a little harness on. Not a little harness. Guy's 300 pounds. Um, <laughs> big harness uh, on that shoulder under his pads. But... Uh, a credit to him, but that does open um, reps and experience for, um, you know, uh, Devin Campbell, DJ Campbell, who was the highest rated five-star, uh, you know, highest rated interior lineman in the 2022 um, recruiting class nationally, who, you know, couldn't beat out Cole Hudson for that right guard position. And, you know, by all accounts, Taylor, he's growing in confidence and uh, is, you know, he's going to benefit. He's going to benefit from those reps. Texas is going to have some depth at the guard position. Uh, obviously, you've got Hayden Connor at that left guard uh, position and Jake Majors, who teammates have pointed to as a, um, a key vocal leader for this team with Roshan Johnson and B. John Robinson moving on from the offense. Uh, and then obviously you've got Kelvin Banks, the monster freshman star left tackle and the surprise return of sixth year, <laughs> super, super senior uh, Christian Jones, Taylor. So you're getting that offensive line back. Yeah, you are. And and plus, you know, that's before we really talked about like Cam Williams, um, you know, he he started seeing more playing time or some more, you know, action, not really like starting time or anything. But he was a guy when we were able to talk to Kyle Flood at um, before the Alamo Bowl, you know, he was a guy he kept talking about his progression and being something that maybe we're not, you know, the, the public and the fans and media even are not seeing because it wasn't always on the field, but what he said about Cam Williams, you know, in practice um, as a guy that really has progressed in a way that you want to see. And uh, you know, that that's, that's a huge, you know, thing and you want to see that continue. But I mean, for, you know, with, I know junior angle he's moved on. Um, the fact that uh, Christian Jones is staying at Texas chip. I'm just curious, would you say in your opinion, would you say that this is, shaping up to be one of the more like depth or deep offensive lines, at least in the last like decade at Texas. Cause I'm kind of thinking that. Yeah. I mean, we got to see what Cam Williams looks like in the, in the spring. Um, 
he's going to work at left tackle too because Andre Carrick has moved on. And so he, he could be your swing tackle. Um, kind of, kind of like Derek Kerstetter who, you know, played just about every position on the offensive yeah. line before he left. But, um, yeah, this is a big spring for, for Cameron Williams because he, it looked like was going to be ascending to that right tackle starting position. And then Christian Jones, uh, you know, decided to come back and Christian Jones was a, was a solid right tackle last season after struggling at left tackle in 2021 and was one of the better stories that way for, for Texas. But, um, Cameron Williams, I, I'm going to be interested to see how much work he gets on the left side versus the right side, uh, because he is, they love his size, six, seven, you know, three sixty plus, and he can move. He's and, really athletic, like surprisingly. Yeah. When we were talking to Kyle flood, that that's what stood out is that he's not just a giant, he can move. And that's, that's where you, that's where the magic happens when those big guys can be light on their feet and really be able to, uh, especially obviously in the past blocking, um, you know, whether they're going up against a speed rusher or a bull rusher speed to power, you've got to be able to set your feet and, and that, and move your feet to get set. And that's where Cameron Williams, at least according to Kyle flood has, has passed the test. So, uh, you've also got <clears throat> Malik Ogbo and Nato Yumazulu, who's, um, you know, both of those guys are working uh, at guard. And and so, you know, does one of them, um, you know, operate at tackle as well? And then you've got the early enrollee freshman, Taylor. I mean, it's... Um, it's impressive. Last year, they didn't have any offensive linemen as early enrollees. This year, uh, well, they had Cole Hudson. Cole Hudson was there. Yeah, Cole Hudson. Sorry, Cole was the only one. Of he was the, the only one. Yeah. Of the five uh, freshman offensive line, probably the best offensive line recruiting class Texas has ever had. And now you've got, um, you know, like Jaden. Four, right? Yeah, Jaden Chapman, uh, Andre Kojo, um, Peyton Kirkland. And Connor Stroh, all uh, working out right now, and and going to be going through spring. So yeah, the depth of the offensive line is. I mean, think about what we were, where we were a year ago. Oh yeah, they, I, they didn't, they didn't have enough season. guys to yeah, run to... <laughs> five on five. Yeah, in the spring game. Yeah, spring. I mean that's in without walk. I mean, yeah, that that was something. I mean, it was shocking, and that was why I think. You know, I was not critical, but very has or like thought that this was going to be a, you know, kind of a down year again from the offensive line and, you know, something Kyle Flo was going to have to work through. But man, that I was proven wrong in a substantial way. And and I think Cole Hudson was a huge story for that because I think everybody expected Kelvin Banks. If, if, if you had heard prior to the spring say that Texas last year was going to have two true freshmen starting on the offensive line, I think a lot of people would have expected them to be the, the five stars that Cal, like Calvin Banks and DJ Campbell. But the fact that Cole Hudson made, I mean, he made a, a claim for himself in spring and continued it early on in fall camp where he, he earned that, 
that spot. And that was a name I don't think many people would have expected to be one of the freshmen who would contribute substantially, let alone start every single game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it, it's, you know, there's a lot of sort of, uh, I don't know, anticipation, spec, speculation, speculation. That's the word about what would Kyle flood try to get bigger at center? I don't know. Jake majors is a pretty valuable guy, pretty valuable voice on that team. Um, but Connor Robertson and Cole Hudson give you a little more size at that center position. We'll see. But, um, I think Jake majors is a pretty important, uh, voice on that, uh, on that offensive line. And, and so, uh, the guys whip smart too. So, um, if it, if it ain't broke, uh, but, uh, Taylor, let's move over to the defensive line because we know, uh, there's a lot of returning talent with Tavondre sweat and Byron Murphy, uh, Vernon Broughton, Alfred Collins, especially, you know, those guys are your interior guys. Um, but, and you've got, uh, Baron Sorrell back. He was the sack leader for the Longhorns, five and a half sacks last year, but you lose Ovi Agofu and the name is Justice Finkley. That's the guy that you're looking at as the most likely replacement for, uh, Ovi Agofu, but it's really, um, there's a lot of young talent, uh, on that, that defensive line. And you, you've got early enrollee freshman, Sadir Mitchell, who's 330 pounds. And that's, that's the, the golden goose. I mean, that's the guy that these Texas coaches covet because you've got to have the big, the big guys who can't be moved. And so we'll see how well he's, adapting in spring ball because he's a big guy and and if you read our man mike roach he's gonna need a little work on the bod and the conditioning but that he's got you know he's got the tools for sure to to get it done in there and then you know from a pass rush standpoint you've got all these different body types you got jamon tap who's a fast guy you've got length with you know, Ethan Burke and Colton Vosick, I'm fascinated because I hear, and I wrote about this in the Insider a little bit last week, those two are pushing each other because they're former teammates at Westlake, you know, right. for Ethan Burke. It's like, okay, uh, little buddy, you know, <laughs> who's not so little, he's six, seven. Uh, and Vosick is a mean streak guy. So I, I think that is turning into a nice little competition that's going to benefit the Longhorns. And, um, you know, Jare Bledsoe and, and then the young guys that tackle Zach Swanson, Aaron Bryant. I mean, it's, this is, this is what you want. If, if you're Texas, you want these young studs to, to get developed so that when Tavondre Sweat moves on, if Byron Murphy has a great year and moves on that you're just rolling guys in still with you're still able to roll six deep because that's what the great teams do. Yeah. And, and, you know, you win and lose games in the trenches and this is a, this is, um, you know, a very different recruiting approach too that Steve Sarkeesian and the staff is, 
is taking as opposed to Tom Herman kind of loading up on skill talent. But this is what you want. If you're a Texas fan, you look at, I mean, the fact that you just named like 15 people, it seemed like I, that's exaggerating, but still in, in, in Darian Gallette, you know, the uh, edge rusher from uh, where's Teague, I think is where he, what Teague high school, but he's an early enrollee too. I mean, uh, this is, this is a good, uh, this is what you want to see that from the recruiting approach and you want to see these guys get developed. You know, the immersion of Baron Sorrell was huge. I think Bo Davis is the, the perfect coach to develop these guys. You know, he has a proven track record both in college and at the NFL. And, um, you know, if, if Texas can make it to where both lines of scrimmage are the strength on the team, look out. Yeah. I'll say. And that defensive line, I mean, I'm hearing early murmurs that they could be better this year than they were last year. And they led the nation in quarterback pressure. So that's, that really gets you excited because when you can rush with four or three and get pressure on the quarterback or collapse the pocket or disrupt running lanes, then you're you're an edit, you're at an advantage over the offense. And that's, um, you know, that's it. You always look to see how many running quarterbacks you're going to face because that is the, the X factor. That's the player who can sort of outnumber the, the defense, but, um, they've got speed. They've got, they got a little bit of everything on, on that, um, on the edges of that defense. And, and Baron Sorrell's the guy who needs to take that next step. He needs to add a couple more moves and counters to to be able to be, you know, super disruptive. Um, to you know, I mean, I don't want to put him in that category, but you know, Will Anderson. You watch Will Anderson at Alabama, and you see all those tackles for loss. You know, that's where Baron Sorrell needs to be. It's, and I'm not saying this is bad because Jody Baron had a great year, but when You've got a nickel corner as your leader and tackles for loss. That's wild. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who can sniff out a bubble screen and go collapse the, the you know, pen, penetrate the blocking, get that uh, receiver down outside the or behind the line. But, you know, typically your tackles for loss leader is a is an edge rusher, a linebacker. Uh, if, if you're Casey Hampton, a defensive tackle. Um, so that's, I'm just saying in 2023, the Texas tackles for loss leader needs to be one of those guys on the defensive line. Yeah. I totally agree with that chip. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. A couple nuggets on, uh, UT basketball, and then we'll get to love it or leave it. And Taylor was, I mean, if you'd have told Texas fans, Hey, Texas is going to go two and two playing at number four, Tennessee, which is now number two, uh, home against Baylor, and then at number seven, K-State, and at number nine, Kansas, you go two and two in those games, every Texas fan would have taken it. Yeah. And so kudos to the Longhorns. Um, That K-State win to me was special because um, that was a team that came into Austin, beat Texas 116 to 103. It was a school record for points scored in regulation by K-State, regulation or overtime for that matter. And in Texas, 
played well offensively in that game too. scored 103 points, but there was no defense played in this game. Texas got after it. They, they put the clamps on Marquise Noel. Um, they were aggressive. Keontae Johnson got into foul trouble. He only played five minutes in the first half and Texas came back from another double digit deficit in a really hostile environment. And then had that, steely nerve in the final four minutes we've talked about texas is one of the best teams closing uh, in the final four minutes of a close game and they pulled that game out 69 66 and it was a lot to ask to turn around and have to go you know two days later and win in allen Fieldhouse against a desperate kansas team that had already has four um or yeah, already has four conference losses coming off a loss at Iowa State. They were desperate and they played like it. And Texas fell behind by 14 again, came back, tied it uh, with 17 minutes left in the game and too many turnovers. Uh, great performance from Marcus Carr, 29 points. Timmy Allen, 18 points. They were aggressive. They attacked the basket. They went to the free throw line. They did what you want uh, to be done. Marcus Carr had four turnovers. That was troubling. Um, and Tyrese Hunter had three turnovers, especially two back-to-back right when the game was kind of, uh, you know, going back and forth and allowed KU to get on a 6-0 run that Texas really didn't recover from with about 12 minutes left. But still, it it was impressive. Um, when you look at the whole uh, four games, there were there were too many turnovers and and uh, too many layups and dunks given up in that Kansas game. But again, a lot to ask of this Texas team. I I'm nothing in that four game stretch. I mean that that four game stretch only bolstered my opinion of this team and the work that that Rodney Terry's doing. Yeah, I mean it's definition of a gauntlet stretch, and you know I mean the fact alone that they basically just stayed in Kansas. Um, after that K-State game, you know, for several days, because that's how close they were, or, you know, how quick the games were back to back there. They only had one day rest. I mean, that, and, and for them to make it a game, I think that's a big deal too. All right, listen, let's get to love it or leave it. All right, before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more football talk coming up. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Chip, my first love it or leave it for you is love it or leave it. Texas and Oklahoma will be in the SEC for the 2024 football season. 
I'm still going to love this. Um, there's just too many arrows pointing in this direction. There's too much already agreed upon <laughs> for this uh, Hatfields-McCoy uh, battle between ESPN and Fox to, to hold this thing up. I just don't think ESPN, when it all is said and done, is going to let that happen because they have the incentive and the means to make sure that Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC in 2024. How about you, Taylor? Yeah, I mean, I it, it's so hard with any type of realignment because it could literally go any which way at any moment, any second of the day. And um, so, but just with, you know, how much the the has been agreed upon, like you said, um, this is the last, the last type of, you know, uh, box on to check off here. I think it'll get done. There's too much money on the table, um, for them not to figure this out. And, you know, the scheduling, the, the fact that the big 12 already added, you know, four more schools to the conference. I mean, it's got to get done. So yeah, I'm going to agree and love it too. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. Love it or leave it. The position with the biggest question mark heading into spring football is running back. I mean, I guess you could say that because we haven't seen, um, I mean, we've seen Keelan Robinson in little spurts. We've seen, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, Jonathan uh, Brooks brooks uh and garbage time but you know i mean to me the, the position with the biggest question mark might be well okay listen to me just all over the place here okay <laughs> i'll i'll love this just because we haven't seen it on a down in down in basis um i was flirting with saying quarterback because of the step that Quinn Ewers needs to take, but we've seen Quinn Ewers play really well. We know he can do it. Um, and that's why I think people are going to buy this, but um, I'll love this Taylor. How about you? Oh, I think I'm going to, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to leave it. I, I, I would probably say, well, it's hard because like, I feel like there's talent at other areas, but it's not proven to kind of in a similar situation. Um, I would say the linebacker just because of how DeMarvian overshone, you know, he, he was a really consistent playmaker for Texas. Obviously Jalen Ford returning is huge for the linebacker room. I mean, humongous, honestly. And, um, and he was really weighing his options from what sources told me, considering going to the NFL. Um, you know, it was an early win for Sark and, and the staff to keep him on campus, you know, maybe getting him some NIL money could helped that. Um, but I, I'm going to say just linebacker, just because it's hard to replace a guy like DeMarvian Overshone. Okay. Love it or leave it number three. All right. Final one. Love it or leave it. Even though Texas has a game, excuse me, a half game lead in the big 12, it's too early to conclude UT's evaluation of Rodney Terry as coach. Yeah, I'm I'm going to love this. I mean, it it's it's a great story so far, but it's you got to wait until the season's over. You got to see how everything goes and um and that's again, it's a really tough situation for Rodney Terry who 
you know, moved back to Austin, gave up a head coaching job thinking that he was going to be building something with Chris Beard for years to come. And now he's auditioning for a job. Can they increase his pay, Taylor? For God's sake, can they give some of that money that they didn't have to pay Chris Beard to Rodney Terry? They should. For this job and the and these assistant coaches and maybe some of the players. I don't know. No, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna love this because it's the it's season's not over yet. How about you? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna love it too, especially considering the fact that Texas made a pretty substantial investment into the basketball program and um, building it to be in a position to be possibly a football and basketball type of school, you know, something in Texas really wasn't when they did hire Chris Beard. They have that obvious, I know Texas didn't really pay for the Moody Center, um, but they have, you know, a new arena. The fan engagement is there. I feel like Rodney Terry is going to, as great of a story as it is, he deserves, he definitely deserves some sort of bonus, at least at the end of the season for keeping this team together. I just feel like with the amount of effort that Chris Del Conte and the administration have made into uh, building up Texas as a basketball school and putting them into a position to be like, to try to claim that they're a basketball school too, in addition to football, I feel like you've really got to make this hire right. And you need to see, uh, you know, Rodney, this is not a knock on him at all, but you got to see, um, you know, how the season plays out. And he's done a fantastic job up until now. Now, if Texas ends up going to the final four with Rodney Terry as coach, there, I mean, even, even late in the, you know, lead eight or something, you have to, you almost have to be like, okay, well, he kept a, this, uh, train that looked like it was about to go off the rails on the rails and then, you know, pushed it through and had, if they go later in the tournament than Texas has been going in the last you know decade, then I think that may be enough, but I think it's too soon to say it now. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the flagship podcast. Hope, uh, hope we made the last hour infotaining for you. <laughs> um, for Taylor Estes. Uh, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.